Welcome. Hey everyone, welcome, welcome to, to our show. podcast. We we don't know what, what this is, this is called yet. Um, some names that we float around the super fiends uh, because we are fiends. Um, the uh, two uh, people who have been friends for twenty years talking about a show that is thirty years older than that uh, is another one that that's at the top of the list. One hundred and seventy years total. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, something with the trouble. Got some pushback on that one for its wordiness, but I think it. I think it works. I think it's I think fine. It's very memorable. Uh, trouble losers, like trouble, trouble alert, loser. but trouble losers. Marvin is not okay. The podcast. Oh, I, I li- actually I like that. It's kind of an avant garde. You'll if you're listening to this right now, you'll see. Uh, whatever it's named, because it'll be the thing that you clicked on. So I actually, no, I do know what it should be called. Professor Goodfellow's Funmobile should be the name of this podcast. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, we'll we'll talk about it. Um, yeah, but what we're going to talk about today is this latest episode of this show. Now, um. Some general observations as I'm going along with the show. Again, I had not seen any of the of this show. I was like familiar with the concept of it, but I had never seen any episode of it uh, before now. And um, it's very different than I thought it was going to be. Number one, I thought it was going to be 15 minutes long. Yeah. Number two, and this is the biggest thing, and this is going to come into play in this episode. But I thought that they would be friends. What I am seeing is not friendship. What I'm seeing is a lot of exchange of cruel and rude barbs. A lot of quips uh, at others' expense. I'm seeing a lot of interruptions. Uh, Mm -hmm. I'm seeing a lot of exasperation for no reason. Essentially, gaslight. I'm seeing gaslighting. A lot of gaslighting. And um, I have to say, as much as that doesn't seem like they're very super friends, this is a light that I've never seen my favorite superheroes in. Just this kind of catty bunch of cruel, rude people. Yeah, it's it's a really, it's hard to see, you know, because clearly they're all there because they want to do good. But they're also all miserable. They all just hate being around each other. And someone needs to have the courage to say, this isn't working. We should form separate super teams. That Yeah, that that is true. It seems like it has become loveless. But because they're the mightiest heroes and it's expected of them, they're going through the motion. And someone needs to have the courage to step forward and say, hey... Like you said, we you know we need to separate. Are they staying together because of Marvin and Wendy? I mean, you have to think probably. Well, that's which is sad. weird because they show nothing but contempt for them. So <laughs> I don't. So maybe they're staying together because they know it's miserable and it is worse for Wendy and Marvin. Are, could they be staying together for H- Huggins, Mister Huggins? It could be. Well, 
Either way, this episode, what a doozy. I will give the broad strokes of this. Sure. And I'll let you start with notes. So, essentially, this what is, happens... And just in, so the, the readers know, this is Season 1, Episode 5, Dr. Pelagian's War. Correct. Dr. Pelagian's War. Now, you just a second ago, you said, so the readers know. Um, do you yeah, intend because on transcribing? I figured we... Yeah, I, I've been... Have you not been transcribing the episodes you edit? Because no, I've been I transcribing haven't. them I thought, and I just thought, putting them on a live journal page. I thought they would be listening. I, uh, but now that you mentioned that we should transcribe all of this and bind it in a, you know, leather. Like a handsome leather bound. Handsome leather bound uh, tome. Yeah. Do you watch the show You on Netflix? I haven't. I am aware of it, but I have not seen it. Ah. And I'm also no. aware of that hilarious uh, who's on first style uh, thing with Laura Ingram not knowing what the show you is. Yeah, um, it's weird how many people sent that to me not realizing it was a planned thing. Like, I it was kind of a bummer because I hang out with a lot of people who like do comedy semi-professionally. And Look, uh, that's the hallmark of good comedy that you don't know it's an intentional joke. It's just sort of a weird thing that happens. That's yeah. that's the mark of the best kinds of comedy. That's true. Either way, uh, the readers will be uh, excited to know what happens in Doctor Fallopian. What was it Doctor Fallopian's War? Yeah, Doctor Fallacio's War. And he, so, we start off, we see the, uh, the, the, the worst super friends, uh, out at some kind of a carnival. They're yep. hanging out. They're having a good thing. Wonder Dog, he is having a hot dog with extra onions and mustard, just like nobody wants it. And he, so they're, they're hanging out. We learned he had, he loves being on the Ferris wheel. And when they're on the Ferris wheel, what do they see? They see some kind of. Uh, well, essentially, it's an albatross, and um, yeah. some weird stuff happens. Uh, they go to their super friends, the ones with powers, uh, about these weird things. They learn that there is some kind of summit happening where uh, the world's industrialists have decided to um, try to fix pollution, but a couple are holding out, and uh so they uh and essentially this there's a terrorist an eco terrorist who's trying to intimidate these holdouts and uh the super friends have different varying ways of uh either facilitating this can you imagine what the world would be like if it was just three of the industrialists who were like no i'm not going to stop polluting but all the other ones were like yeah pollution's bad and we're going to stop doing it Absolutely. Um, and <laughs> I think there's a lot to unpack there. Uh, we'll certainly get into that. Um, either way, they investigate as they always do, and they find out that it is someone uh, that is named Dr. Fallasian. And Fallasian means a dweller of the sea. Yep. Uh, and it turns out he is an eco terrorist who is trying to. Um, sway these people to be more responsible. And then uh, he he ups his game. He starts uh, 
doing more and more dangerous eco pranks uh, that start endangering the the super the worst super friends uh, until finally Wendy and Wonder Dog and Marvin make their way. They find themselves in Doctor Felagian's underground laboratory right before he creates a artificial tidal wave that's going to decimate the coast. And at the last second, uh, the super friends manage to freeze it to no effect to the environment. By the way. uh, Yes. Just, I mean, technically it is underground. It's a submarine. It's not not underground there. It's a submarine. Sure. Did I say underground? You did. I meant underwater. Now, technically that could be underground. Could be. I mean, it's below much of the ground, but it's an is under underwater. It is a submarine, and uh, at and the very end, they realize that uh, at the last minute, they have convinced these industrialists to not be bad, uh, and all is well. Happy ending, or is it? We are going to talk about this episode, and uh, I certainly have opinions on it. But I'm going to let you go first, Michael. So, uh, right off the bat, I I don't have a dog. I never have had a dog. Is it advisable to just be feeding your dog a bunch of hot dogs with no mustard and onions? It seems absolutely not like there's bad nitri- pet ownership. There's there's sodium and nitrates that's extremely bad for dogs uh, in hot dogs. They're not designed to eat processed foods like uh, and. Mind you, humans are not designed to eat processed foods. Prove it. But uh, dogs especially. And so, um, yes, it's very damaging to give. You shouldn't give dogs onions. You shouldn't give dogs mustard. And you definitely shouldn't give dogs hot dogs. Also, uh, don't just bring a dog onto a Ferris wheel and uh, let him loose. Sure. These are all good advice. But you have to remember, Michael, these are Scooby-Doo rules. In it's this- true. In this world, Scooby-Doo set the precedent that uh, some dogs are very hungry and can eat massive sandwiches in a single bite, and um, they love uh, Scooby snacks, which are neither dog treat nor actual cookie. And uh, Yeah. In my head, Scooby snacks, I imagine, are butterscotch-flavored. I don't know why. I've always imagined... Butterscotch-flavored dog treats? Um, kind of mammal treats, I guess I would classify them as. So they're a cookie that is as tasty to humans as it is to dogs? Looks that way. I think that is impossible. Have you ever eaten dog food? No. Again, I've never had a dog, so I've never really had... You uh, could still buy dog food at the store and try it. You know what? I could. I Get like a a fifty pound bag of dog food just to see how it is. Well, if you're trying it, don't get the fifty pound one. Just get the little, just get the little can. But I'm gonna let you know. I'm gonna let you know right now. I've had dogs. I've smelled dog food. I've never tasted it. Maybe as a kid, I maybe put a piece on my tongue. But I'm gonna let you know right now. It doesn't taste good. I think that the concept of Scooby snacks is inherently flawed. Because this is something that Shaggy eats. It's something that Scooby eats. See, here's what I think. I think it's formulated for the human palate, and dogs will eat anything. But that's it's my a that's my snack. 
It's called a Scooby snack. It's centered for, it's specifically for Scooby. I think Scooby is maybe how they market it. They market it to dogs, but it's intended No, they for market humans? it with him. I think he's the mascot for the product because you're not going to have some stoned burnout. They're not going to call it a shaggy snack. Okay. We, you You're going to have a dog. We, okay. We're entering something that uh, is a problem for this show, which is entering maybe, the Scooby Zone. Where Maybe. Um, <laughs> it's true. Maybe we should have a spinoff podcast where it's just we get to the bottom of Scooby Snacks. Yeah. Uh, it's like a true crime thing, but with Scooby Snacks. But with Scooby Snacks. That, and, and it's entirely possible. Either way... Um, there's a lot of Scooby-Doo like activity with the dog. Yes. He loves to eat, uh, poisonous things and he loves to go on the Ferris wheel. He, he is, uh, but they said at one point that he was miserable, right? That he was going down a slide. Like he, he slid out of a clown's mouth into a pond. Yeah. And, yeah, uh, out of the fun house. Yeah. Oh, oh, I remember the narration said everyone was having a good time except for Wonder Dog, and I guess it was because he um, was having a gastro in gastro problem with all the Probably. onion. But either way, he found himself in a pond, and a uh, a duck bit his nose. Yeah, a duck bit his nose, chases a squirrel, loses his hot dog, but they, but they. Wendy and Marvin have endless hot dog money, so yeah, they're just able to keep supplying him. So we have this giant wave, and then a talking albatross issues kind of a general threat about pollution. I don't know why he's attacking this amusement park if his whole thing is the industrialists. I don't know what the amusement park's deal is. I yeah, maybe he has multiple eco. I'm gonna we'll call them pranks for now. Eco pranks yeah. going at the same time. And the ones of the industrialists are more pointed, but he has other ones going at various yeah. con- consumer areas. I imagine they're throwing a lot of trash into the ocean at that amusement park. That's probably it. Well, Wonder Dog fell into a pond, and he probably dropped some shit in there. So, yeah, absolutely. So I take it back. I, I fully support him attacking or pranking this uh, amusement park. So the wave dissipates, the talking albatross leaves, and so. They go to the Hall of Justice to tell the Super Friends what the Hall of The Hall of Justice League. Hall of Justice League, you're right. Honda Robin. Robin has a few crazy lines here. He does. Suffering Surf. I wish I could have hung ten on that wave. What a ride. Is that is that a canon that uh um Dick Grayson is a surfer dude? I don't think so, but now I kind of wish it was. He's an acrobat, but um, I don't know if he if he loves to loves the waves. I, this one appears. This version appears to, and then Wonder Dog starts dancing and whimpering, to which Robin also says, "Convulsing canines." Is he having a fit? Which. I think we all have to wonder about Wonder Dog. Wonder Dog is a, is a tragic character because it's established that he doesn't really have a proper caretaker. Um, yeah. They are feeding him poisonous things, letting lawnmowers chase after him. Uh, they do not care. Later on in this le- episode, later on in this episode, like 
it happens in this episode, but also previously, they throw him out the window so that he could run back. Like they, they, they just yeah. like send him uh, places. I don't think Wonder Dog is choosing to be there. No. And here's the thing. Marvin can't take care of himself. He shouldn't have a dog. No. Oh, I forgot one more thing. He is um has a severe almond allergy. Yes, and he does. I see no attempt at preventing nut substances from entering the Hall of Justice League. Yeah. And I don't see EpiPens anywhere in there. Nowhere. Nowhere. So anyway, you're you're correct. Uh he starts freaking out probably because of the poisonous poisonous onions and processed probably. meat in his stomach. Did it seem like everyone knew way too much about albatrosses? Everyone was a goddamn albatross expert. Yeah, they said uh Oh, well, that, that, you know, we all know that albatrosses are the largest seabird. This is, I, I think, I genuinely think this is, this is around the time that they required people to have educational programming. So they like crammed, they tried to cram fun facts into it, just like how yeah. last episode they said, oh, the Gulf Stream is where all this happens or whatever. And this one, they tried to cram in albatross facts. They tried to cram in the word Pelagian. It's Pelagian, by the way. It Pelagian, I d- and it didn't even fucking work. Didn't it? Didn't also uh, Doctor Pelagian and uh, uh, the guy, uh, the guy last week who was controlling the weather. He had a normal, normalish name, Doctor Philbert yeah. or something. Either way, they have the same Nit- plan. They're doing the same thing. Nitflick. <laughs> they're they're using <laughs> they're using heat from under the ocean. To <laughs> fuck with the weather. To fuck with the weather. I knew that they would probably try to recreate this concept. I didn't think it would be the next episode. <laughs> right? They are aware. I think they're aware of an issue. Right? Oh, I remember. Because they he uh, announces himself as Dr. Flagian. And yeah. then they say, well, clearly that's not his real name. Because Flagian means dweller of the sea. And they pretty much quickly put together... The idea that um, this guy is uh, tr- trying to uh, stop, or he's trying to influence these industrialists. And I do appreciate that the Super Friends kind of mostly seem like they're on his side. Well, that and that is something, I mentioned that we were going to into it, and that's why I called them pranks and not uh, terrorist acts. Because every time he does one of these life-threatening things, Superman goes, eh, well, he doesn't seem interested in hurting anyone, uh, and he has a point. It, it, it genuinely does seem like they are downplaying the danger. Uh, also, I mean, it, it's <laughs> that makes me think. So what I think is happening with this show is there are two writers. One is a... George Will, Ronald Reagan style, um, right wing. It's just Barry Goldwater. I think they got Barry Goldwater directly. Barry Goldwater. And the other is just this hippie. And they basically both, they're both, they're writing every other line. Uh, because some lines are praising industrialism and other lines are 
saying that the, the at one point someone says that the waters are horrible, like that polluting, like the polluted oceans are horrible. That's like you yeah. just wait till you get to twenty twenty one. So anyway, so the industrialists. Yeah, uh, the three holdouts have the best names. Like I, I have no notes on these names. They're great. J. Mortimer Hutchinson, Luther Fenwick, and Agatha Prentice Carraway. Those are just A-plus rich people names. Yeah, solid. Um, and also, they are, well, <laughs> I don't know. So the they they go to collect, the, the Super Friends go to collect these tardy industrialists. Yeah. Um, <laughs> the one that I think is great is I forget which one who's playing Polo, the horse That is Fenwick. That is Luther Fenwick. And he's in the middle of this game. And apparently it's a big deal of a game. And uh, Super, he's about to make a goal. And Superman comes in and catches the ball, preventing it from being a goal. And he goes, we have to go. And Fenwick goes, no, I don't want to go anywhere. I'm in the middle of a game. And Superman goes, okay, I don't care. I'm taking you and the horse. And he goes and picks <laughs> him and the horse and takes him away. And it's like, it's funny because I often see Superman talking about, like, being respectful and, you know, uh, having to respect, like, not forcing people to do things against their will. I rarely see him just be a bully. <laughs> and yeah. go, I don't care. But I I don't mind it because, you know, if it's only, one of three rich people who don't care about pollution in this world. <laughs> but he, he showed, he showed no, he, he did not show the same level of contempt for the terrorist who nearly killed a lot of people. <laughs> he, he's just like, he's just fucked this Fenwick guy. Look, you gotta, at this point, you gotta, you gotta really fight against the uh, polluters. The next industrialist, Agatha Prentice Carraway, the um, the shiny beacon of feminism in this episode, <laughs> which Wonder Woman uses against her. Sure, she <laughs> Wonder Woman does. She shames her. She she visits this um, old woman who dresses like she's from the eighteen hundreds, and yep. uh, she. She wants nothing to do with Wonder Woman, even though Wonder Woman specifically wanted to see her because she, I guess she admired her. Um, Yeah. And she wants nothing to do with her until she says that the other two industrialists knew that she wouldn't go with her. And she uses reverse uh, sexist psychology. And then that makes her uh, want to go. So good, good brain trickery. Wonder Woman. And then Superman and Wonder Woman meet at Hutchinson's estate where he's announcing his daughter Amanda's engagement. As soon as Superman arrives, it's pretty clear to me that this guy's daughter wants to bang him. Wants to bang Superman? Yeah. She's like, oh, Superman. And I think I think her fiancé might feel the same about Wonder Woman based on both of their reactions. That could have been an interesting way to take the episode. It would have been. I think back then, polyamory was not as accepted. 
Yeah, probably you know, not. But we don't know. We don't know. I mean, it probably they just probably just didn't talk about it as much. Anyway, yeah. so they collect these rich people against their will and yep. bring them to this climate meeting uh, where they essentially reiterate their position. They're not changing yeah. anything for anyone. No. Let alone Fuck a the environment. So I was unclear at what this was. He causes an oily thunderstorm. Uh, so I think the implication is <laughs> that the thunderstorm is normally you would just have rain, but because yeah. there is oil polluting the water, the rain brings the oil up with it and drops oil. And scientifically that is literally impossible, which I think it's again, one of those things where <laughs> they will, they'll teach us the word Pelagian uh, and then yeah. propose something that is, against even the most fundamental science. So for every yeah. every moment that they try to teach us something, there's something wrong. Because I don't think that you would necessarily, that oil could follow water up in the sky. I don't know. Listener, if you're no, a No, I, I don't think, because I, I mean, they don't, I don't believe, evaporate at the same temperatures. Oh, it o- seems oil unlikely. And water, oil and water famously, famously pretty don't. famously don't mix. Yeah. Yeah. I, there's few things that don't mix as much as oil and water, but so yeah, the but but we've also we also learn that all of these climate pranks they're not necessarily purely weather disasters. Some of them yeah. have to do with other stuff. So yes, yeah, so, some oily rain happen. They get rained with oil upon them. Yeah, and then Hutchinson says I think the dumbest thing in the episode. He blames Superman for this because both he and the talking albatross can fly. So he thinks they're in league with each other because they're both flyers. Uh, I think the the interesting. Do you watch Succession? Uh, no, that's one we uh, that's on our list, but we haven't gotten to it yet. Jesus, you have to watch Succession because it does a really good job of illustrating the fact that in our country there's this narrative that's pushed that the more money someone has probably the smarter and more wise the person is because they manage to accumulate all this money yeah and it's and it's funny because like in succession they they pretty much show how like people just give their money to their children and then those children now are millionaires and then the the millionaire billionaire children they can do whatever they want, and people change their value system because they're the ones that have the money. So it's the exact opposite of that system. It's the fact that these people have the money, and because I need the money, I'm willing to change my value system to bend to their will. That all yeah. to say, um, this dude can think whatever he wants, and I'm sure he has a bunch of people that are like, yeah, sure, whatever. Birds are, yeah. uh, Superman's a king of the birds. <laughs> Which I also want to point out, there's serious, so it has been incredibly fortunate that the last three episodes, or th- that or that three of the last episodes heavily involve the ocean. Yeah. 
Yeah. I didn't I I th- that is a very fortunate turn of events for Aquaman. Yeah. I I would say um in this episode he really takes the lead. He what? Aquaman. Aquaman really takes the lead in this episode. Well, he does, but also he's useless, which we'll get into also in a second. Sure. So, Wonder Woman follows the Albatross, and the Super Friends meet at the Hall of Justice League, and Aquaman figured out, has figured out that Pelagian is probably Dr. Ansel Hilbrand, the leading authority on the Albatross. Yet another Albatross expert. It's interesting how someone who can study Al- <laughs> Albatrosses their entire life is also able to has enough mechanical engineering know-how to um, <laughs> change the weather for the planet. Because he studied albatrosses his whole life, so it is the classic comic book thing where if you study one kind of science, you are an expert in all kinds of science. You're a scientist. Well, maybe maybe what it is is that his main thing was mechanical engineering and climate. And the albatross was just a side thing, because who cares, you know? Yeah, yeah. Maybe there is no academic expert on the albatross. It's just like one guy who was really He just happened. Yeah, he just happened to be into them. Uh, so, yeah, he goes, <laughs> is this the part that Aquaman swims to the floor of the ocean? Uh, he will in a moment. Okay. First, they look up Hildebrand, Hildebrand and find out that uh, he died five years ago in a diving accident. Sure. And then Wonder Woman's at the North Pole because the albatross let her on a wild goose chase. No Santa a wild cameo, alba- which a wild is what alba- I was hoping albatross for. Albatross chase. Yeah. Someone makes that joke. Yeah, that's a, it's a great joke. Solid. Batman finally gets to be useful. He takes Aquaman to Point Gander in the Bat helicopter. That's okay, and that's where he dives in. Yeah. Okay, so yeah, he's able to use his helicopter. He's mostly a chauffeur. Yeah. My favorite, so what Aquaman does, he swims to the floor of the ocean, finds Dr. Hild I'm going to call him Dr. Hildebrandt because that's the uh, middle school middle I went school. to. He dives to the bottom of the ocean, finds what he believes to be the corpse of, yeah. of this doctor. Swims and back up, takes the corpse into the Hall of the Just Hall of Justice League, and prepares to open up the helmet in the in middle. front of children. In front of children, and I was like, "Hold up!" And this isn't just like a regular corpse. This is a corpse that has been underwater for five years. It's been what bloated, horrors must oh wait soaking. I can't think of something. And they were just about ready to pop that helmet off in the middle. Let's take a look at this guy. In in, in the middle. They don't even do it outside. They did it right next oh, to the tumbler. If it, just the, I think, the diving suit after being underwater that long, pulling it out, it probably smells bad. But if it had a corpse in the, like they believed that there was a corpse sealed inside. And there, but if there was a corpse sealed inside, they opened that up. They're never getting the smell out of the Hall of Justice League. No, it's going to no. smell like that corpse forever. They're going to have to it's, tear it down. It's going to be permanent. Also, I want to point out, uh, now, there are a million situations that his fish friends should have clued him in on stuff. Like, yeah. It, 
I think there is some kind of there's been some kind of rift between Aquaman and the uh, creatures of the deep. Like sure. some, because there's too many situations that s- someone would have said, "Hey, yes, I remember that dude came down here and he took his suit off and disappeared." Or I I feel like this is the kind of thing what was going on. This is the kind of thing. I can't imagine there are lots of people going into the ocean to fake their death. So it's a kind of uh, thing to take make note of. So there should just be a standing policy. Hey, sea creatures, if we have this, we have this report that uh, if you see someone fake their death underwater, just mark it down. Just say, hey, person fake their death here. Put it on this report. I will. I will review it every every six months just to keep track of. Who's faking their death in the ocean? On land, we call it, if you see something, say something. Yeah. And in the sea, you could call it, if you see something in the sea, say... Something in the sea. Don't... Yeah. Hey, if, I, no, I, I like yours. If someone fakes your death, write it down. Yeah. I think, I mean, you don't need to complicate it more than that. But they they open up the helmet. There's not there's not a disgusting bloated corpse inside. It's empty, like the tomb after they rolled the rock away at Gethsemane. No, at uh, Golgotha in the Christian Bible. They roll yep. the rock away. The tomb is empty. Doctor Ansel has risen. And I I gotta say the super friends seem a little disappointed. <laughs> yeah, they kind of wanted there to be a corpse. Like, like this seems pretty cool to see. I've never seen a corpse before. No, they haven't killed anyone. There's not been any dead bodies. <laughs> it's it's like they had a mini standby me in their heads. So they're like, we're going to get to see a dead we're body. We're going to see it. And it's ironic because Superman famously uh, loves beheading people. Uh, yeah, uh, Yeah, we've already covered that. We, I just, Whole it's deal. worth mentioning again, he gleefully cuts off Zod's head in uh, the Man of uh, Steel 2. No, Man of Steel. Uh, Man of Steel 3, the return of the Man of Steel. The Man of Steel returns from the corner store. So yeah, uh, his bloodlust has not been satiated. Yeah. Uh, at any point. So, uh, Wendy and Marvin leave on their bikes, and I don't remember if it was the previous episode or the one before, I mentioned how there was an animation of Wendy and Marvin sneaking, but it was very clearly them pedaling without a bike underneath them. Yeah. I think that was from this. I think That they was really, this animation. I think it was this animation. It looks much less dumb when they're on bikes. Sure. Wendy wants to take matters into her own hands. Now here, Marvin this moment says no. This 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 was a very mind. rare moment for me because Wendy is saying, "Hey, you and I, the wor- you us three, the worst super the worst. friends, need to go take marriage in their, under our own hands." And Marvin, who you've established, is, I mean, he's a he he can make his own decisions. But clearly, I mean, he needs assistance. He, 
has a hard line and says, no, absolutely not. That is a stupid yeah. idea. We shouldn't do that. And for the first time in this series, I wholeheartedly agree with Marvin. Yeah. So here's the thing. These are maybe not the best versions of all the Super Friends characters. But if Superman, Batman, Wonder Woman, and Aquaman are on it, you probably don't need to be. No. And if they're handling it, you don't have to. And also, the implication is not that they're helping, is that they're learning. In the And if they're learning, that means that they're anticipating becoming, in the future, either, either they genuinely think that these two people could become uh, superheroes in the future... Or they have some kind of terminal illness. And they're I was just about to say, to I think this them. might be a make-a-wish thing, because they're only in the first season. So I think we can assume <laughs> that by season two, they have died. <laughs> oh, no. Really? Really? <laughs> they're only in the first season. Um, and why else? The Wonder Twins, when they show up, they have usable superpowers. Yeah. What are Wendy and Marvin doing other than getting in the way? This has to be a make-a-wish situation. I I wish that I could disagree, uh, but that so far makes the most sense. Um, Wendy actually... And maybe it's a thing where it seemed like maybe they were going to die faster, but they're just hanging on, and like the super friends are like, well, we can't ask them to leave now. Yeah. They could die any moment. They, they thought... They assumed it was going to be the first episode... Whenever you know, oh, we're ha- we're wrestling. Oh, Superman and is gonna have a good wrestle, and then they just kept going, and they're like, just kept oh, going. Okay, well, um, well, anyway, uh, after Wendy that, bullies Marvin into submission here. Wendy literally bullies. She 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 he goes, no, this is not a good idea. I do not want to do this. Then she writes names down on pieces of paper, and she goes, okay, Marvin, pick one. And he's like, I don't want to do this. Uh, is this the name of an industrialist? Because I don't want to do it. And he picks it, and it is. And she goes, all right, you're going to go to that one. So, yeah, she yeah. just completely ignores just uh, what he has to say. We see Wendy go to talk to Fenwick. Everyone in the boardroom is smoking. It must smell terrible in there. Sure. Well, you in the 60s, you did do that. And then, did you notice... When they cut to the window at one point, the smoke was coming out of nowhere. It was not lined up with the smokestacks. Correct. It was just ambient smoke. Just there. And Fenwick is just cartoonishly evil. He's like, no, pollution's fine. Yeah. But smoke I almost, never hurt anyone. I almost kind of, kind of am on his side at that point. Because who is this kid? Oh, what 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 she does? What Wendy does is that she uses this weird logic. Because what's his face? Um, <laughs> Marvin goes, "Why would they want to talk to us? Like that doesn't make any sense." And Wendy goes, Fair. because we're in a oh yeah, we're in a younger generation, and the older generation is always trying to close the generation gap." Here, Since pick when? a name. And I was like, and and I think Marvin says to me, like, that doesn't make any sense. Yeah. <laughs> like, 
What? Yeah. Uh, you're just saying words. Yeah. No one likes someone younger than them coming up to them and telling them what to do. Yeah. So I almost, at this point, I, I'm still pissed off at Wendy. So I'm, all, I'm actually kind of on Fenwick's side. Uh, at which point, so I, I can't tell. Is the Alba, Did the albatross lock the door and lock them in with all the smoke? Or they said something I about how the so. self-locking door decides to just malfunction. Yeah, I I assumed that Pelagian was behind the door locking, but I'm not certain. Then the, narr- then the narrator was wrong, or he was supposed to say something tongue-in-facetiously, and he did not. How often do you think that... Do you think Ted Knight came in a bunch, or they made all the episodes, and he recorded all of his narration in, like, 40 minutes? Wait a second. Ted Knight? Is he the narrator? Yeah. Ted Knight of Too Close for Comfort? No, Ted... I think it's Ted Knight. Ted from, uh, from the Mary Tyler Moore show. The, the, yeah. Yeah. And then he goes... And then he's in Too Close for Comfort? Yeah. That's, that's, that's who the narrator That's Ted Knight? Yeah. I had no idea. I don't think he stays the narrator for the whole series, but he starts out as the narrator. Yeah. That's bonkers. I I knew I recognized that. Well, now I feel bad about making fun of the way he says Holman. But I, I got to think, you know, they didn't get a lot of extra takes with him. He probably did. He probably just did it from Skype. He Skyped it in. Yeah. And they just probably. recorded it. So they get locked in there with a bunch of smoke, uh, which they said, oh, and then they asked Superman, like, oh, you know, is this dangerous? He's like, no, it's just smoke, which is insane. <laughs> yeah, I thought so too. It was like, it's still smoke. Uh, like, that's the thing that often is what kills people that is in the a main, fire. <laughs> that is the main thing. The door is locked. Uh, they literally uh, can suffocate. Superman does not care. Um, but while this is happening, uh, there is another prank happening for uh, the 18th century lady. Uh, and Miss Carraway, at which uh, Ted Knight, who Ted Knight refers to as the spinster tycoon. Oh, sure, <laughs> that was that was how like you referred to people back then. Man, well, she wasn't the gender yeah. politics of this show just so advanced. ahead of their time. So advanced. So uh, he goes there. Uh, Marvin goes there. She doesn't want to hear the name at all, and he's. Again, he's trying to get her... It doesn't sound like they're trying to convince them to do this for the good of the planet. They're trying to convince him to do that to appease a terrorist. Yeah. And um, she goes, absolutely not. I'm not going to appease a terrorist. Which I wish I could disagree with her, but I can't. You feel like there was a mismatch in the level of prank? Well, alright. So what happens with her is she's looking at one of those stock tickers from... Yeah, ticker tape machine. Ticker tape machine... And it malfunctions, and it squirts out too much, uh, too much tape. Yeah, that so. seems that seems less lethal. Several degrees of magnitude less, less dangerous lethal. than being locked in a smoky room. Yeah, it's, it's certainly less lethal. But I forget, did they change? Did they have a change of heart then and there? Not yet. Not okay. yet. And. And still, the Super Friends, and I don't necessarily disagree, seem more on Pelagian's side than on anyone else's. Correct. And again, Correct. I'm with them. I'm with them. I, I, I agree. With the terrorist? 
Yeah, because he's not really a terrorist, he is mostly just like doing. He's mostly no one's gotten hurt yet. <laughs> yes. These, these tycoons are doing way more damage. They are doing a lot of damage, yes. And and apparently, based on the fact that the other industrialists have decided to stop polluting, it seems very easy in this world to just stop. To just not so, do it. And because So they kind of deserve whatever they get. And because so many industrialists, all but three industrialists, have decided to stop polluting altogether. Yeah. So it's like, okay, well, it sounds like it's a big enough problem in the 60s that uh, 97% want to change it. Little did they know. I, You know, we all know yeah. what happened. But, uh, okay, so um, they're still not budging. Yeah, and then they go to see the third guy, Hutchinson. And he seems happy to see them, like he's forgotten why they were there the first time. He's like, oh, I'm my daughter's engaged. Isn't that great? But then he's like, no, I'm not going to stop polluting. It's a real 180. Yeah. But then a, quote, Zephyr out of season interrupts the announcement of his daughter's engagement, messes everything up. And then the super friends talk with Colonel Wilcox, who just says everything that has happened in the episode so far. He just describes it. Is this the guy who is gradually losing his rank? Yeah. Yeah. And, but uh, that's all he does. He's like, well, here's everything that's happened so far. My fate, my very fit, this is my favorite part of the episode. Superman goes, well, we can help, but we're going to need data. And he goes, okay, here's the data. And he goes, (laughs) (laughs) it's like, problem, solution. So that Nailed. was good. That was a good moment. Oh, and so the Super Friends decide to find Pelagian. And then on their own, Wendy and Marvin go to the go back to the seaside amusement park. Correct. Because Marvin thinks that if they retrace their steps from earlier, they'll find Pelagian. Marvin's had a change. The of heart fact before. that this works does not mean it is a good plan. Yeah. It it <laughs> It is pretty frustrating because it um should should not have worked it shouldn't have because it's it's one thing to go back there and investigate to see if you find any clues it's another thing to be like well we better you know buy some buy another hot dog and get on the ferris wheel feed my dog the fact that they are doing all the same things again is very stupid yeah but luckily they did because Wonder Dog goes out to the beach and they just so happen to see a penguin investigating yep. Wonder Dog, which yeah. they go penguin. And then that's, that's when Wendy re- Then Wendy goes, uh, Wendy, so it's a penguin and uh, Marvin is shocked. Or like Marvin, I don't remember, but he thinks she's joking. Like, yeah. Yeah, and then he looks and declares, that's a clue. So really, he just wanted to go to the carnival again. But really, a penguin is strange. Is it a clue? In the, in this world, it is. Uh, it would not normally be a clue. Well, I guess yeah. to the albatross, they, they keep commenting that the albatross is not uh, normal. So a bird out of place right. is a little bit... So they go, and then does the bird... Oh, no, the whale comes, right? Yeah, they follow the penguin onto a whale back. And then the whale 
just very steady. It doesn't, they don't fall off. The whale takes them to Dr. Pelagian's submarine of the Sprite. And he knows their names. Yeah, so, so something that we're, know, that we've learned is a lot of these grown men are, are familiar with a lot of details of these two children. At first, you think, oh, it's because they, um, are, they're clearly a well publicized member of this team of superheroes. But then you realize, well, but their whole deal is they sneak into places because they're kids and everyone's yeah. underestimating them. So I get the impression that they're not like world famous. They just, all these dudes just know exactly who they are. Yeah. Also, the trappings might be different. It's a different type of vehicle. But their answer when a stranger approaches them with a submarine should have been the same answer they had for Dr. Goodfellow's Funmobile, which is, no, I am not getting in your vehicle with you, you strange, weird man. This, this, also, this also leads into, I'm just going to skip ahead a little bit. So they are on the submarine when Dr. Fallasian has Pelagian, has what can only be described as a mental breakdown. He, yeah. He, ha- he has a mental breakdown where he starts off just, you know, describing all of these uh, ecological stunts that he pulled uh, and showing that he means no harm and that he's merely trying to protect the sea creatures. And over the course of this conversation... He loses his mind and decides to yeah. kill a lot of people with with a tidal wave, and yeah. um, <laughs> it's crazy because we. So something that has been a point of contention for me has been the rings. They have the rings when they need them. They don't have the rings when they don't need them. Yeah, it appears that they haven't even given Marvin and Wendy the rings when. He's on the boat, losing his mind. They could have easily flipped open their rings, said, Hey, Superman, find us. This guy is insane. He's going to kill a lot of people. They could not do that. Instead, they tried to sabotage the computer by pouring oil and milk into it? Milk and glue. Milk and glue into it? But first... before they even do that, I think, or maybe maybe I have it backwards. They try to hit it with like wrenches, and the computer had two arms exactly placed just to grab those wrenches. Sure, and he was prepared specifically for that attack. Sure, well, this is precursor to um, Inspector Gadget technology. So yeah, I'm sure they have that. So they try everything. They can't do it. Uh, they can't sabotage this machine, which also I think has a similar setting where you can do something so damaging that you can't turn it off. Um, just Probably. Like it the, doesn't have a specifically irreversibly on, but yeah. <laughs> Maybe that's what this podcast is called, Irreversibly On. Irreversibly On. <laughs> um, so they they decide... That they're going to mail, so he he's sending out these albatrosses, and so they figure what they can do is mail the dog 
in one of the bags. Yes. So it's weird to me that they deliver it to the post office, except they don't. These birds drop it in the middle of the lawn next to the post office. Certainly. How how would that mail get delivered? They're albatrosses. They're not ravens. But he's clearly tried this before. I imagine there's a pile of unmail, unsent letters just accumulated on there. I, I, I don't think they're stopping there. I think they're all everywhere. Like, yeah. they're just used to the ge- having random packages in the general radius. Either way, it's a dog, so the dog is able to yeah. navigate its way back and alerting the good uh, super friends of yeah. their location. Also, I mean, this is a small thing, but uh, sort of to show that, I guess, that Dr. Pelagian is mentally unsound. He is wearing, like, the top half of a suit and shorts. <laughs> yeah. And he, he looks like he's got uh, Jim Henson hair. Uh, yeah. Real thick, real thick beard, long hair. Uh, and he's talking with fish. He's communicating with yes. animals because he invented something to do that. He's, like, commanding them. Yeah. Which I feel like undercuts his whole thing about how like he is their their friend they're his friends because you know you can be someone's friend or you can be their boss. I think it's hard to be both. Uh, I mean, Aquaman has the closest. I mean, he's come the closest of striking a balance. But it was clear that this guy is controlling their brains. So it's yes. like it, they, like we said before, in the span of this quick conversation, it's clear that he's. Uh, is a dangerous maniac who is yes. uh, well quickly interested in killing a lot of people. Yeah, and the uh, the super friends are watching. Uh, was it a press conference? I think so. Where where the three uh, the three industrials are like, "Fuck you! We're still polluting. They have learned nothing." That's when he says, "You know what? I'm going to create a massive tidal wave that's going to wipe out." First, he, he's going to make three tidal waves. Ah, yes. Which, the first one uh, goes toward Luther Fenwick's factory, and Superman just puts a, puts a bunch of debris in the way, and it's fine. That seems to work. The second one goes toward Hutchinson's factory, <clears throat> or whatever it is, and Superman and Aquaman use tractor shovels to block it, to block a tidal wave. Yeah. And it's unclear how big the tidal wave actually is, because the way they show it, it looks to be about as tall as two tractor shovels, which seems like maybe a big wave, not a tidal wave. It's a large wave. Yeah. If you can surf it without dying, it's not a, it's not a tidal wave. Yeah. But this final tidal wave, just like the three little pigs... This final tidal wave was the deadliest of all. Yeah. <laughs> and so, uh, they use that classic clean chemical, Freon, to freeze it. <laughs> and, well, and they place coils in the ocean. Yep. Uh, <laughs> filled with Freon. Certainly none of that spilled out. Um, yeah, no leakage, I'm sure. <laughs> this tidal wave comes almost it almost decimates the uh horrible polluting 
factory, but but luckily they freeze the entire tidal wave and it crumbles yep. to the ground. Now, the ironic thing is shortly before this, they had a change of heart, correct? Or was yes. it Yes. Uh, no, I think they I think they um they they have their change of heart immediately after this. Prompted really by nothing because they've already been in Pelagian's crosshairs. So that's not really what did it. Yeah. No one has appealed to them further during this. Right. So the plot just decided that this was the time. Why the plot not? required them to change their minds now, so this is when they're going to do it. So that it, it then it happened. Now, we've reached the conclusion of this episode, and this is the part that I find most troubling. Uh, so troubling that the trouble alert didn't even pick it up. And that yeah. picks up trouble before it happens. Uh, which is, they find this gentleman who we saw, who he, he had a conversation with Wendy and Marvin, and Wendy says, oh, I, and she very snarkily says, uh, oh, I see, so since you can't have them stop polluting the ocean, you're just going to pollute uh, the earth and, you know, hurt a lot of people. And his response is an anguished, I don't know. He he is un he's unwell and he just tried yeah. to kill a lot of people. He kidnapped some children and when Superman finally confronts him, he says, Hey, great news. They it's a good thing we stopped you because they changed their mind. And then yeah. it goes dan 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 dan. Please tell me this guy goes to prison. This is this is the part that I feel like as a kid would have been enraging because Batman the animated series you would at least see these guys go to Arkham. I think maybe they show Blackgate. Yeah. Th- this guy, I mean we've had some bad guys. We've had the guy who tried to wipe out recorded history, which I still think is overall the worst crime. Of the series. Yeah. Okay. Before that, we had the... Or then after that, we had the um, automation guy. Yeah, the guy who... The guy who was a threat to capitalism. And then the alien. So, yeah, the alien... uh, The the power pirate. That was the first one. Um, uh, Sir Cedric Cedric. Really, this guy is the second worst. Yeah. But also... The most justified in 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 his action. Initially. I would say. But, Michael, we saw him have a mental breakdown and become yes and you know i don't know what the proper definition of this word is but criminally insane he he made he made yes. a conscious decision to say i'm going to take some lives and <laughs> it was it was intentional and superman just pretended it didn't happen so do you think whatever is wrong with marvin is contagious and that's why because he didn't do anything like that before Wendy and Marvin came aboard his submarine. So Marvin, yeah, something. Marvin has a contagious brain disease. It's some kind of infection that led him. Yeah, I think I, I think that Superman has just become kind of nihilistic, and he just kind of want to wa- wants to watch the world burn. He's like, yeah, no, smoke is fine. 
uh, no, they're fine. And then when the tidal wave happens, they they dump a bunch of Freon in the ocean. And then he knows that it would have killed a bunch of people, but he just chooses not to. This guy, yeah. uh, Dr. Pelagian, he belongs in, I was, you know, I was about to say Blackgate. He belongs in Bell Reeve. Dr. Pelagian, yeah. Dr. Pelagian belongs in Bell Reeve. You think he's going to get recruited into Task Force X? No. I, I was so frustrated that this didn't end with him in jail. The only people, the I think the only people that we've seen arrested or in jail are people that talk like this. Yeah. Yeah, if you if you have a doctorate, you're not going you're not going to be incarcerated. If you're a doctor with a beard, you're not going anywhere. Your henchman, whose name is Bibble and Bobble, they do go to jail. They do. They do. There's a very clear class division in this series. <laughs> also, uh, did you catch that um, when Superman and Aquaman are trying to find the sub and they get intercepted by sea creatures, they and the narrator refer to them as killer whales. Those are very clearly sharks. Yes. I don't know how much... I don't think there was a lot of coordination between the departments of this show. I think... <laughs> Clearly not. I think they just kind of did it and then stuck it together. And, I mean, God forbid they re-record anything. Yeah. There's no... What there's order no... do you think they did it in? Do you think they animated and then added voice or voice then animation? I think it was voice first. Oh, it was clearly That would make first. sense. Yeah. Uh, also, at one point, uh, Wonder Woman says, yes, and. She goes, yes, and? Which, I don't know. Just... Because I well, uh, pretty famously, Wonder Woman's in the long form improv, but she's she's perennially well like level one or two. Her her airplane is just a pantomime airplane. It's just it's a pretend yeah. airplane. Yeah, she's just that. That's her thing. She's not really good at premises yeah. or or you know she's good at object building work. scenes, but her object work is unmatched. Yeah, she can make a whole plane. Um, there there's a. <laughs> I think there's a lot more little minutia that annoyed me, but um, I think we, I think it's time to ask how we would have resolved this in a uh, uh, in a single act. Yeah. Oh, I got it. Government regulation to stop the industrialists from polluting in the first place. Problem solved. <laughs> yeah. Um. <laughs> A little bit was like, so Superman is totally cool with bullying this dude, stopping his game and just kind of forcing him to come to this meeting, but he's not cool with forcing him to choose to make a business decision. Yeah. They should have just made them do it. The more I think about this, I... I think a libertarian wrote this episode because it creates this idea that businesses are just going to choose yeah. to uh, do the right thing without government regulation. Yeah, that they'll just naturally come about to the idea. I think you're, I think you're correct. I think they should have just, that was the most logical thing. I think it was a waste of time for... Aquaman to find to try to find the corpse of Dr. Ansel Hildegard, Hildebrand, whatever. He should have assumed that this was Dr. Um 
Dr. Dr. Hillbrand. Dr. Hillbrand. And he should have tracked down his family and uh, threatened them. And just said, hey, where where is this guy? I know it's him. Yeah. Also, the other way is Aquaman should have gone to any fish and said, hey, is there anyone here that's controlling mines? Yeah. And is there uh is there a submarine you've seen going around here? Is there a fleet? And they and they kind of implied the that his technology kind of wipes out their brain. It kind of takes over their brain and blocks yeah. other waves. But that doesn't mean there's other fish in the sea, as the saying goes. Aquaman could have should have said, Hey, is there a is there some weird shit going on down here? And if it, any fish would have said yes there is some weird very weird shit going on and should have been able to lead him right to it aquaman asked amore eel how his family was doing not wanting to seem rude and the more eel said they're doing fine but his brother has gotten into a pyramid scheme and they're trying to talk him out of doing that any longer and then aquaman said that's too bad well anyway have you seen a submarine around and the moray eel said, well, yeah, uh, my brother now owes like 80 grand to this other guy. And so it's a real problem. And Aquaman said, yeah, that sucks. But really, is there a submarine around controlling fish? And the moray eel said, I don't know. And Aquaman <laughs> moved on to the next sea creature. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think the fact that maybe he wasn't doing that. The fact that he wasn't asking the sea creatures about their lives. That was why no one wanted to talk to him. I think if he had yeah. more conversations like that, they would have sought him out and said, hey, something weird's happening. It's true. He didn't create a welcoming environment. Yeah. Yeah, no. He There should have been way more conversations like that. Because the way I think the way it should have gone is like, Aquaman went into the ocean. And a fish approaches him and says, Hey, Aquaman, there's some weird fucking shit happening. That's, that's what should have happened. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. You're right. You're right. He should have made it. He should have made the ocean a safe space to come to him. You have to put the effort in. Let's talk rankings. What do you have? You know, up until Pelagian snaps at the end, I'm more or less on his side. You know, he's not really causing too much damage. So I would say I give it four milk and glue cocktails out of seven. Four, okay. All right. I, all right. I, on the other hand, am upset that he didn't go to some kind of prison. I mean, you are pretty famously pro pollution. That's that. I mean, that's always been. The I case. love. I love pollution, but. The, the the question is the the principles like what 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 does what do Batman Wonderhorn and Superman stand for and the answer is we don't know they just kind of let this stuff happen and then they're like I don't know let's follow the albatross and went to the North Pole okay well who cares they were not they were not very insistent. On finding something. And because of that, he was allowed to lose his mind and try to kill a bunch of people. And uh, they they still didn't care. 
I give this episode 13 out of 20 hot dogs with heavy mustard and onions. That's fair. Uh, Because I still like the fact that they are being so catty to each other. Yeah. You think what it is, is that they're just bored or pent up? Because this is a world with superheroes and no violent crime or much of any actual crime. It's all weird shit like making history disappear or controlling the weather. There's no regular stuff for them to go up against. I think I think there is an element of that. I also think they are introduced as world's greatest heroes. And in the first couple of episodes, we have established that Plastic Man exists in this world. We, I think, later on, will establish that Green Lantern exists in this world. And essentially, I think they find themselves in a vanity prison of their own making. It's true. They they have... You alien- think it's because it's so exclusive? They have alienated themselves to where yeah. no one else wants to be their friend. All they have is each other yeah. in their self-aggrandizing prison of vanity, and they resent each other for it. And they let and they yeah. let out their frustrations with each other. And Plastic Man, he came and he helped, but he peaced out. He was like, I'm not going to... Yeah, he's like, oh, this is a toxic atmosphere. These people need to get away from each other. Yeah, I'm not going to be a party to this. I'm going to do my duty as superhero, but if these dudes are just going to sit around and talk about how mighty they are, I'm out. So I, I think that is, that's the biggest thing. They resent each other. I think it would be interesting to see if they start being nicer to each other once Wendy and Marvin are dead and other superheroes start coming in. I am greatly looking forward to learning that. That will answer so many questions. It really will. For all the readers out there who are reading the transcript of this podcast, I want you to comment yes or no, mustard, uh, hot dogs with mustard and onion, heavy mustard, heavy onion. Does that sound good? It doesn't sound bad. I, I you know, it sounds, it sounds like a really smelly hot dog. But then again, aren't, <laughs> what aren't they all? Most hot dogs are a little smelly. They are. What do you put on a hot dog? A mustard what's your, onion. What's your classic? Mustard onions. Well, what? I mean, I'll do... So, what? I like ketchup and relish. Okay. So, I live in Chicago. I am a big fan of the Chicago dog. You got, you got mustard, onions, nuclear relish, celery salt, tomato slices, dill pickle spears, sport peppers. Does it always come in a poppy seed bun? Yeah. I hate poppy seed, and I also um, hate the nuclear relish. I love it. What, what is it? Just food coloring that makes it like that? I mean, it's 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 just dill pickle relish with food coloring. Probably it grosses me out just seeing it, seeing how bright it's it is. Good. I love a Chicago dog. I, I mean, all day. I love most everything on it except for the poppy seeds. Here, here yeah. we have. James. I mean, you could you could. It wouldn't be like it wouldn't be as big a sin to change the bun as it would be to like put ketchup on it. Oh, there's no ketchup on a Chicago dog. No, because you got tomato on there. Oh, I see. You have pre ketchup. Yeah. Huh. Well, comment comment down below with uh uh with Chicago versus ketchup. Chicago versus ketchup. 
My favorite Supreme Court ruling. It established broad shoulders as the law of the land. Big shoulders. I'm gonna I'm gonna try a sign off uh to end this episode. Are you ready? Go for it. And remember, everyone, keep your super friends close and super enemies closer. Good night.